Hi, and welcome to Toon Hounds, your fortnightly roundtable podcast about everything cartoons. Um, I'm Rich Masters, and joining me as always uh, is uh, my co-host Spivsy. All right. How's it going? Hello. I'm good, thanks you. Yeah, I'm all right. Or was that to me or to the audience? Oh, it can be worldwide, global. Ah, all right. Well, I'll accept your hello on behalf of the billions of people <laughs> out there who aren't listening. People of um, Earth. <laughs> And normally we'd have Poppy with us, but she is uh, encountering life. So she's had a bad week, so she's not going to be here for this uh, episode. But she'll be back next week. Um, uh, And this week we are talking about uh, an animator who we both love. Well, all three of us love. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to be talking about Don Bluth. Um, Can you tell us a bit about Don Bluth, Spivsy, please? Right then. Don Bluth. Picture this, it's 1979, Back to the Future is a whole six years away, and you're Don Bluth. You're working as an animator at Disney, which is a pretty good gig, except it sucks and you hate it. Fox and the Hound, what's this (laughs) shit? So you and some other animator friends decide you're going to strike out on your own and start your own company called Don Bluth Productions. Working out of a garage, they finish a secret project called Banjo the Woodpile Cat. No, I've never (laughs) seen it either. Which made enough money for them to get a proper studio. The company made a thing for Xanadu, which is a really bad movie about rollerblading. Then they made The Secret of Nim, which was actually pretty good. And they were at the top of the world, there's nowhere they could go but up. And then E.T. came out at the same time and nobody cared about Nim. Then there was an industry-wide animator strike and the company had to file for bankruptcy. Then they made Dragon's Lair, the video game. Then the video game industry crashed and they had to file for (laughs) bankruptcy. I don't want to say too much about what happened after this because it leads into the time frame of the films we're actually talking about today. But Bluth met this guy named Maurice Sullivan, who was a mergers and acquisitions broker, which I think means he professionally bought companies. He bought up Bluth Studios and renamed it Sullivan Studios, which is kind of a dick move, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) Then the company was approached by Spielberg and they started working on American Tale with Amblin. And now you have to listen to the rest of the episode to find out what happened next. There, I've hooked you. (laughs) He's had... um... He's had a bit of an insane uh, journey. Not yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a strange trajectory. Like, everything uh, that, that was very good. for him. That was very good. <laughs> very good intro, as always. Cool, cool. Um, so, uh, do you want to talk about Anastasia first? Yeah, Sorry. sure. Yeah, spoilers. Spoilers. Spivsy's talking about Anastasia. Anastasia. I sort of, I sort of uh, stole his funded there. But... Um, <laughs> yeah. but uh, a, f- a Don Blue film we both really like. Mm-hmm. Um, I do really like I it. It's a strange movie, but I like it. It is. I would say it's. I'm going to possibly preempt you, but I would say it's probably out of all of them, probably my favourite, and because mm. it's the most Disney esque. Yeah, it's the most Disney, but it's like um, it's like a Disney movie from another world. It's very yeah. odd. It's like an alternate universe Disney movie. I kind of feel it would be like. Um, what Disney might have headed towards if they hadn't have had their renaissance with Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah. Like if it had have failed, this yeah. is this would have been bought by by Disney. Probably. Yeah, I, I agree. In an alternate universe. Yeah, and they it's... would have headed down this sort of like slightly more adult animation because it is. It still feels a little more the adult an... than a lot of the uh, Disney stuff that was coming out at the time, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, the animation is very rough though in this. Yeah. Really and like the weird CGI, and a lot of things that 
and this is going to be common about all the things we talk about Don Bluth, I'm sure, but almost feels like in every scene they ran out of money. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, I mean, well, I'll start talking about Anastasia. Yeah. Um, it It's a very odd concept for a children's movie to start with, in that it's mm-hmm. about the uh, midnight assassination of the Romanovs <laughs> and Rasputin, and it's like, it's a weird thing to make a children's movie out of, especially yeah. a musical. Yeah. But well, he doesn't, at least he doesn't get hung, drawn and quartered and chopped into little pieces. Yeah, you don't like actually that. see them like lined up against the wall in the basement and gunned mm. down at the start of the movie. But I watched it and immediately forgot why, Rasputin, not why, but how Rasputin like killed them. Like, was it that those ghosts that came out of the lantern? I have no idea because it's Look, not clear at all. No, like they, the grandmother and the and Anastasia escape. Yeah, and then what happens to Rasputin happens. Yeah, but, he falls in a lake and drowns. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but they don't show the deaths of the Romanovs. No, and, they don't uh, say I, anything I about it. Or yeah, or actually explicitly state that they're dead. Yeah. It's like they've just vanished. Yeah, they just—they're not there anymore. But the mm. building is still there with all of their stuff inside. But we yep. see Dimitri and other guy. I can't remember what his name was. Do you remember? No. Well, no. Other, the I'm other having guy. a weird. So this is the thing with. Um, this is going to sound incredibly weird, but like, <laughs> um, I read War and Peace once, or yes. started to read War and Peace, yeah, and I've abandoned read it, well. it about yeah. two thirds of the way through. I at two thirds of the way through, I was still struggling with names mm, yeah i remember and then, i think we've talked about this before yeah. um and i still i think i have a russian blind spot when it comes to names yeah <laughs> yeah but I there's mean, a lot in, of sounding and similar sort of war, rhyming in war names. and peace some of the characters have three different names yep it's like, like Natalia. yeah <laughs> i find it easier to remember names from lord of the rings than i do yeah. um russian literature <laughs> let's just say that but yeah, I don't know what happened to the Romanovs. It's so unclear. That opening is like a, almost like a fever dream. Mm. It's so quick. Yeah, that. I mean, when she's singing um, "Once Upon a December" with Murder She Wrote, and mm-hmm. everything like there's a crowd of people, but nobody seems to be acknowledging them singing. Which I don't know if it's a just a regular musicals thing where you're meant to have suspension of disbelief that nobody's listening to these two sing. So, but the you, way that know? it's set up in it is very odd. Mm, it's really, really strange. Do you know what I naturally assumed when I watched it? Not when I was a kid, but when I watched it recently for this, mm. um, that it was like um, a child's recollection of the past rather than the past. Yeah, yeah, like a, just a memory of what's going on. And considering her, her memory is damaged for, you know, Mm. reasons unknown yeah she falls on a train and gets complete and total amnesia (laughs) trainnesia it just forgets absolutely everything about her entire life yeah but you know then she finds a dog and everything's okay I found it strange that um, there was like a running theme throughout the movie about fate Mm. and destiny and things like that like she gets sent on this journey because a dog appears and takes her to a different location. Yeah. She's always asking questions of mm. for signs and stuff like that. Yeah. I, and I imagine that's because it's hard to write a character who would make reasoned decisions based on experience because yeah. she has amnesia. <laughs> yeah. 
So it's all happenstance and all like it's complete coincidence that she. Yeah, everything that happens in the movie is coincidence. People. Yeah, absolutely everything in the movie. Yeah, I mean but... when when oh go on no keep going because I'm going to jump ahead otherwise. I was going to say them. None of the characters that she meets in the movie are particularly helpful towards her for her benefit. It's always no. for their own benefit. And she yep. just has to go along with it and everything works out fine for her in the end. It's like she's not a character in her own movie. She's just on the rails being taken to where she's being taken. That's really common in Don Bluth as well. Mm. Like pe- manipulative relationships guiding like a character. Yeah. Um, especially the... I won't say the protagonist because it's not always the protagonist, but the innocent character yeah. is always um, succeeds in spite of the friends she makes along the way. Mm, yeah, so with Anastasia, she's not a particularly interesting character by herself. No, really well voice acted though. Oh yeah, yeah, and really like I, I don't think Don Bluth Studios because I won't say that Don Bluth wrote the majority mm. of the films that he was involved in. But I don't think these films write female characters very well in any sort of sense. No, I don't either. Um, yeah. I mean, um, recently, when he did that Kickstarter to do a Dragon's Lair series, yep. he said that he wanted to show that the princess wasn't just a blonde airhead. And that's mm-hmm. why he wanted to make the make the show. So I think he's got some kind of... You know, he notices... Mm-hmm. Is the problem I, with the films, at least? I think it, his name is synonymous with all all of the film films that his studio produced, mainly mm. because the studio was named after. Him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I feel like it's unfortunate that he didn't have as much creative control with the writing element of yeah. it. Yeah, and, and like he's um, compared to Disney, well, Walt Disney Studios. You don't immediately think that Walt was there making everything. It was just he no. was a like a figurehead but with Don Bluth you feel like he was there all the time with complete creative control yeah which is unfortunate because some of the decisions are really bad yeah I would say that I like Don Bluth projects in spite of the story I think like you probably I'm speaking for you here so you have to (laughs) confirm but I think I I've always been in love with the Don Bluth style of animation, but mm. not necessarily the finished article. Yeah, it's. A, but I think part of that could be nostalgia. Yeah. Because these are all movies that I watched as a kid. Yeah. At least the VHS generation. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And some of these films, especially in the UK, were incredibly hard to get. Mm. Um, yeah. Like Disney classics that had limited release on VHS and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, these Amblin films and yeah, and the stuff that Spielberg worked on with him and the stuff pre Spielberg were incredibly, incredibly tough to get. Mm. And I remember when DVDs started coming in, these sorts of VHSs were worth a hell of a lot of money. Yeah. Like insane yeah. amounts of money. I um I'm sorry, I'm gonna tangent here. I worked at Blockbuster when I was at uni. Mm. Uh I, I don't know how many people will know what that is if you're like 20 and below maybe oh everyone knows um, blockbusters surely but, um, <laughs> that's like a um i'd hope so i hope it's it a genetic memory <laughs> <laughs> but um we started doing uh trading um when dvd came in and mm. 
we just trade. I traded in so many Disney classics, and I traded in uh, my anime. I regret it to this day, um, but, but my animated VHS uh, Brave Star, the movie, I've which never is heard of that. is that about oh, um, my cowboys? God. Oh, we yeah, cowboys in space. Oh, yeah, I think I do about, know it. Yeah. Uh, Speed of the Puma, Rise of the Hawk is the Wolf. That brave star. <laughs> oh, yeah, I instantly thought you'd be like, oh yeah, but no, obviously not. <laughs> no. Um, but I, tra- I, I traded memories. that in, and it was fifty pounds. Oh wow, fifty pounds. Fifty. Yeah. So I, and this was the days before. It wasn't before eBay, but it was before uh, eBay. Like was it in the insane mm. mon- money machine that it was now? Yeah, it is now. Early days, um, but like fifty pounds in cash for a VHS. God, that's when insane. I was a, in but my first year like, at uni, like years later, maybe because you know time passes and things get more expensive and rarer. Mm. But that early on in the advent of DVDs, that's a lot of money yeah. for a VHS. Well, especially because you couldn't. I imagine it's. Probably because you couldn't get a load of uh, films on mm. via, uh, on yeah, DVD. they haven't like, moved over yet. Some films still aren't released on Blu-ray. Like True yeah. Lies isn't released on Blu-ray. I don't <laughs> really. I don't. That's yeah, weird. It's not out on Blu-ray. That's weird. Um, and there's another film by the same people, same studio, or same director that is not, and it's really popular. I can't remember. That's this is not a good conversation. <laughs> But um, yeah, so these were these Don Blue films were insanely priced, mm. um, even back when they were released on VHS. Like if you missed the release window, yeah, you would pay like quadruple that on the secondary market. I think every um, uh, Don Bluth movie that I had on VHS was like recorded off Cartoon Network. Yeah, because they used to show them all the time. Yeah, but if you wanted an official yeah. physical release, you were talking quite a lot of money. Which is strange because um, I know that um, all dogs go to heaven. Mm-hmm. But it's, but, I mean, this must have been in the American market from the thing I read. That was yeah. like the highest grossing VHS release ever. That's insane because yeah. uh, in terms of actual success at the box office, we'll, yeah, it was crap. We'll talk it about made like thirty why. million. Yeah, yeah, it made, made uh, so it cost thirteen million dollars to make mm. and made like twenty seven. So it made it back, but only made like a, a handful of cash. Yeah. Well, in terms of you know the amount of people, and Don Bluth had this weird thing with his studio where he, well, I say weird thing, weird at the time, but actually really honourable. He did profit sharing with all mm. everyone involved with um, the. The movies, which I think is just phenomenally forward thinking. Yeah, um, yeah. But they just couldn't compete with Disney. I mean, who can? So they didn't. <laughs> well, indeed, even now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Anastasia, talking dog, finds a talking dog. <laughs> no, <laughs> not a dog. The dog does a talk. The dog that uh, um, a, a serendipitous in... dog. <laughs> the dog. The dog that's named um, Puka. I think yeah. they named the dog. And it takes her to um, St. Petersburg, where she meets Dimitri, who is a con artist. And the first major disappointment I had with this movie was in... There is a musical version of Anastasia, Mm. where the best song in the movie is sung by Dimitri when she goes to St. Petersburg, and it's called My Petersburg. And I was so looking forward to hearing this song... And it turns out it's one of the songs from the musical that was not in the original movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I was so disappointed. Who is um, Dimitri voiced by? Because it was really familiar. I couldn't yeah, quite um, place it. Do you know what he sounded like to me? 
Harvey Birdman, attorney at law. Yeah. That's that's the vibe that I got from him. Let me just um open up my Googles. Who was voiced? Uh, oh, it's John Cusack. That makes sense. That's mm. why I'm so familiar. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's good. Um, it's a good voice cast. Yeah. We we've got Meg Ryan, John Cusack, Angela Lansbury, she's, Christopher Lloyd. She's great. She's, she's great, really Meg great. Ryan yeah. in this film, like surprisingly good. Because I don't. Meg Ryan is definitely not my favourite yeah. actress <laughs> because I'm not, you know, eighty. Yeah. Um, but. <laughs> You know, I'm not in, in, enamoured by Sleepless in Seattle and stuff no. like that. Um, You've got but mail. She was, she, <laughs> she was great. And yeah, like, she's a proper, she's good. like a proper voice actress. I think she's because. So we were talking. Uh, I was talking with my wife, and I was also talking with you, if, like a few weeks ago, about Marvel's What If, mm-hmm. and we were talking about how. Um, being a good actor does not necessarily yes. equate to being a voice act, a good voice yeah. actor, Sebastian Stan. Um, <laughs> Most boring person she, in the movie. But she was phenomenal. Like, I was seriously impressed. Like, there's very few voice actors that I will hear um, their takes and be like, oh, wow, that was, a, that was phenomenal. That mm. was really good. That was like, I forgot. Because you forget sometimes that something is animated when someone puts in a really good performance. Yeah. Yes. Um, and she was great. She was just really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. A, it was a nice surprise to uh, have the uh, <laughs> the main actor actually be a good character. Yeah. But, um. There is a strange choice in animation style in Anastasia mm-hmm. throughout, where I couldn't tell if it was rotoscoped or not. It was like very uncanny valley, the way that they moved. Yeah. Like it didn't seem like, like it was in the wrong frame rate. But similarly, I know what you mean. It's both really pleasantly elastic, mm. but also really jarringly not quite there yet. Yeah, it was like um, an in-between phase. Like, but um, I think that's part of the reason why I, that sort of change... Like stepping stone into mm. um, better animation is one of the reasons why I really like Don Bluth. Yeah, um, yeah, because it, it was some of it looks really, some of it looks really, really cheap mm. in parts. Like you were saying um, yeah. that some of Don Bluth's things seem like they're running out of money before the end of the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there it's were parts like... in Anastasia I noticed where the characters aren't shaded. On the backdrops, really? yeah, I like there's some that. some scenes where they've got shading on their skin, and then in other scenes they haven't. Oh my god! Yes, I did notice that. Yeah, because um, it happened with all dogs go to heaven as well. Some of Charlie's close-ups are complete flat images. Yeah, flat they are, colors. Yeah. yeah, no shading, no tonal difference or anything. Yeah, there's parts in American Tale as well where it looks like like cells on a backdrop. It's mm. really jarring. Yeah, especially, and it's even more um, noticeable because there's a lot of matte painting background. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's um, parts in Anastasia where the background is CG animated. Like the mm. ro- like when um, the Eiffel Tower's rotating and when she goes yeah. into the uh, ballroom of the Imperial Palace. It's weird at that time as well because you yeah. know, like, um, 
Beauty and the Beast, Basil the Great Mouse Detective, this. Any time a camera rotates, mm. you know this is the early days of CGI. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's really, really obvious now. But back then it was just like, my God, this is amazing. How are they doing this? <laughs> yeah. I, I like the like aesthetics in Anastasia. I do. Yeah, like when um, like magical things are happening and the green smoke and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that looks cool. I think, I think that, there's a uh, lot of good um, post effects. Yeah, because it's all it must you know it's not done traditionally animated those sorts of things. Mm, yeah. Um, but yeah, I really like it. It's it... there are some really uh, they could have done better parts. Like, um, <laughs> the uh, jewelry box. Which throughout the entire movie is a 3D object. And when the 2D characters are holding it, it's like vibrating in their hands because they didn't (laughs) didn't put it in the right place. Yeah, they can't. um, It's like when you uh, do. um, Yeah, it's like when you try to do. uh, uh, I can't think of what the word is. Where you'd like superimpose an image over somebody's head. Yeah. It's like YouTube. It's like that, where it's just shaking all over the place. Like a deep fake. Yeah, like yeah, a but really, a really early bad one. animation deepfake. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that, and it's so. When you get those scenes where there's the music box and them and a matte background, mm. it's just too many it's weird layers. layers. Yeah, yeah, and it looks odd and yeah. not right and distracting levels mm. of animation. Um, right, I want to talk it about then. I want to talk about like two things. Cells. Yeah, that I agree. Yeah, I want to talk about two things that I, about Anastasia. One that I like and one that I dislike. Okay. The one that I like is the ending of the movie. The ending's great. The ending is brilliant because for a movie from 1997, having the female lead be the eventual hero of the movie and the male prince who is being kicked to the side and knocked out and she manages yeah. to save everyone is brilliant. Yeah. For the time. Because usually it would be she when, would be the damsel in distress and Dimitri would yeah. rush in and save everyone. Especially because she comes from a position of um, being a victim of something and is painted like that the entire film. Mm. Yeah, and she r- takes him out. And it's really mm. cool because she does like a one-liner before smashing the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> smashing the thing. I can't remember what she says, but it's cool. No, I can't remember either. And the thing I want to talk about that I disliked about this movie... What was the point in Bartok? I was going to bring that up. <laughs> he does is... nothing in the movie. So he does nothing, has no agency, so urgency to his character. So there's nothing... Yeah, we, there's nothing for us to root for. There's nothing for there. Him. No. Um, what has he been doing for 10 years while she was in the orphanage before she decided to leave? Yeah, we don't know. And then he gets, gets like a female bat at the end. Who isn't in the movie? And it's meant to be like, a, oh, good, Bartok got the girl. Yeah. It's like, I don't I, care. <laughs> but he's not redeemable as a character at no, all. No, in any he's way. Very, very he's the bad guy. Like, he's work, All yeah. the way through, he's working for the villain. And there's no, like, oh, he's going to go against Rasputin because he's discovered the areas of his ways or anything. He just doesn't do anything. He reminds me of Killer in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. Yeah, there's another no, character who yeah, gets no retribution for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is put upon for large parts of the film, or like treated as comic relief when it's not very comic. No, um, and he, he, there's just, a lot of those sorts of characters. Yeah, yeah, 
And then they just they gave him a movie, like Bartok the Magnificent, yeah. which came out after this, which I was surprised that Don Bluth was actually involved in. I thought it would be he like hates a, sequels. Yeah, but he he would like worked on the movie, which surprised me. I tried to watch Bartok the Magnificent. I found this uh, version of it on YouTube, which was um, upscaled to 4K 60 FPS, <laughs> and it was so weird. I had to like put it down to 360. <laughs> but I watched the song at the beginning, and. I just couldn't get through it anymore. It was just—it <laughs> was awful. Um, it was so is, bad. That is one area where the Anastasia doesn't suffer. The songs, mm. I think, are really good. The songs are um, brilliant. Yeah, but in most every other Don Bluth production, the songs are—you might have one good song mm. out of five. Yeah, um, some are just abysmal. Um, yeah, really, truly really awful. Bad. Um, <laughs> And and sort of swap styles halfway through. It yeah. seems like with Anastasia, they they kept to brief. Mm, yes, like everyone yeah. knew what they, they wanted. They, to uh, it, they were Disney princess songs, really. Yeah, which and works. I think that might have something to do with the fact that Don Bluth and the studio tried to do tried to preempt Disney's. Um, Beauty and the Beast. I don't actually mm. think it was as simple as that. I think they started a Beauty and the Beast project, and then Disney started one as well. They and did. They that knew that happened. they would be outpaced. That actually yeah. happened in the eighties. In eighty four, yeah. he was making a he was making Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. And then they uh, and think, lost all the money. Yeah. And then there's there was no quite, way they could catch up. There's a quite a lot of things in the eighties that he was like his projects were involved in. Like there were like twenty different games which were going to be in the Dragon's Lair style, which went through. Like they were going to do one called Drac, which was about um, Van Helsing, which they never I, got made. And it doesn't was, matter. Oh, sorry, go on. Go he on, was yeah. going to make a CG Beatles movie alongside Michael oh, Jackson. Oh, with Michael Jackson. Yeah. I've heard and, about this. Um, the Beatles wouldn't let them use their songs, but this would have been the first... I think it like predated Toy Story by eight years. Yeah. The first and fully the, it, CG movie. Because it was, yeah, it was when Michael Jackson got the rights to the Beatles mm. songs in 1980, wasn't it? Yeah, but then they, the Beatles wouldn't let them do it. Crazy. Yeah. I suppose it wouldn't have been that they wouldn't have let them use the songs. It wouldn't have, it would have been that they wouldn't let them use their likeness, maybe. Yes, yeah. Yeah, that would have been it. I think there's um, That's surviving insane. footage of, well, maybe not footage, but maybe like um, cells or test animation or something. But it was like the... Um, I think the thing I read said called them the Beatles gangsters, which makes me really curious about what this movie was going to be about. Especially because I hate Yellow Submarine. Mm, um, the movie. I think it's, yeah. Yeah, it's crap. I, it's it it's crap. so ugly. <laughs> and I would have loved to have seen something like that done in yeah. Blue style. I think that would have been really cool. Yeah. Have you ever read, the, watched the, uh, we're going completely off tangent now. Have you no, ever watched fine. the Beatles cartoon from the 60s? yeah. It's great. I love it. I also... Did you ever watch The Monkeys? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I watched The Monkeys episode where they fell down the back of their sofa and ended up in like another world. I remember that one. <laughs> yeah. I used to love The Monkeys as a kid. And I still uh, think that The Monkeys don't get enough credit. <laughs> if they hadn't have existed in a Beatles world, mm. I think The Monkeys would be a lot more loved than they are. Yeah. Yeah. Um but everyone was tired of them monkeying around, so mm, well, like, kick to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> but I must say that if you like the music in Anastasia, you should check out the musical. It's I didn't all, even know there was a musical. Yeah, it's um, 
there's been a stage show since like 2014, but the soundtrack is brilliant. Like it's a really mm. good musical. Mm. It's got my seal of approval. Spivsy seal of approval. <laughs> um, I think my favorite thing about Anastasia is the voice cast mm-hmm. yeah. I think they all do a really solid job I think even um even rubbishy characters like Bartok have mm. a really good yeah Hank Azaria doing an yeah, impression of um, really Yakov great. Smirnoff yeah it's really good <laughs> um I just like they it's an it's a I would say it's an A quality product. I was, mm-hmm. I, it's so close to being Disney, and I think if it was a Disney product, it would have that polish, and it would probably be one of the best Disney films. Yes, yeah, I agree. Yeah, like it would be a well-known movie more than it is now. I mean, it's, I think it says something that a lot of people think it thought it was a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think because it looks so much like the latter stuff he did with Disney, so mm. it looks like. Uh, the stuff that he did the work for for Black Cauldron, Rescuers, yeah, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, just... I was actually going to say this for um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. It's the Rescuers. Yeah, the movie is the Rescuers. Yeah, but it's just a really <laughs> seedy version yeah. of the Rescuers. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think everyone's good as well in Anastasia. Christopher Lloyd's really good. Oh, his um, voice is so good in it. His voice uh, acting. This he did this before he did Food Fight, didn't he? Because oh, the yeah, voice is yeah. Yeah. the voice is almost the same. Yeah, um, but the script is not obviously. <laughs> but Angela Lansbury's really good. Uh, Hank Azaria, uh, John Cusack, Meg Ryan. I just like even the um, incidental voices are really good. Mm. Yeah, like it's just. I like appreciate the, uh, the woman with the big boobs who works with the dowager, whose <laughs> yeah. name I don't remember. <laughs> but, but she um, has a really good song in it. Yeah. The songs are great as well. Mm, yeah. This... I really enjoy it. It's an enjoyable movie. It's a and weird it's... one to watch because there are a mm. lot of bits where you think, oh, that's, that looks a bit strange. Mm. Or that was or... Some, straight, some odd dialogue choices. But as a whole, it's a really good movie. And doesn't isn't trying to tell five stories like some of the Don Bluth stuff and maybe mm. the next one we'll mention. Um, but like, it's just telling a central story and the characters are all going in the same direction. Mm. It yeah. doesn't feel disjointed. The songs don't feel at odd with, odds with the plot. The um, plot is slightly railroaded, I will say. It doesn't seem mm. like they're being pushed towards something and they're just going in the one direction. No. But in but as a whole, it's a it's a decent movie. Yeah, I think I've gone from it being it. good to it being decent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's we, fine. We, we do look at when we start talking, we do look at it a bit more critically. Don't yeah, we? yeah. And then I just yeah, I think it's I think it's a shame that it wasn't given that Disney polish. Mm. Or I suppose more accurately, it's just a shame that. Um, Disney cornered the market by buying all the animators and the good studios and stuff like that. And yeah, yeah. Because ironically, Disney do get a lot of stuff from mergers and acquisitions. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously <laughs> yeah. this Sullivan guy uh, maybe was a bit lower down the ranks in terms of mergers and acquisitions. Yeah. It, it's clear what he was trying to do. He was trying to set up another Disney and it just... Oh, definitely, yeah. 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 Yeah, I feel like Anastasia would have been more of a success if it came out 10 years earlier. 
Mm. Oh, definitely. When Disney it was, was a having bit that late. rough patch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like even like out... aesthetically, because of like the slightly off animation at, at times. If mm. it wasn't in a higher resolution, the highest, the high resolution that it was at that time. If it was like down a bit into like the eighties, it would have looked better. Because mm. the um the Don Bluth animations from the eighties looked slightly muddy at times. Yeah, his strange colour palette doesn't yeah. help either. Um, Secret of Nim came out. It was called Secret of Nim, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. That was. It, it's very bright. Three. Very, very bright. Yes. Yeah. Uh, very um, fluorescent, almost, and same with Land Before Time. And then Anastasia is a little muddy and dark in places mm. and very shadowy. And yeah. then All Dogs Go to Heaven is incredibly dark. And yeah, All Dogs and... Go to Heaven is set entirely at night. Yeah, it's it's an ugly, ugly film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, what did you yes. think of um, Rasputin as a villain? Because I don't think he was particularly imposing for most of the film. He wasn't. There was. There wasn't even like a threat of him. So how I equate it to is um, so. Let's Legend of Zelda. Right from from uh, the NES first game. From the moment you open the instruction manual, you are told that Ganon is coming. Yes, You've got to stop him. Every time you have a game over, he laughs at you. You see his shadow, so you know he has. Been, he is he is risen. Yeah, um, he's he's the villain. He's yeah. evil. Uh, Rasputin is nowhere in this film. No, he he. We only the audience sees him when mm-hmm. his like demon things attack. The characters don't even see them. The dog does, but he can't mm-hmm. communicate with the humans to tell them what's happening. But like, they have he no does... idea that they're even being attacked. Yeah, he doesn't really. He influences the plot. But like you say, the characters aren't aware, so yeah. they just see it as circumspect happenstance. Mm. Like, uh, they they go on with their lives and think, oh, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not really <laughs> that's not really the dynamic you want to go for. You know, not with, a, also, not with a huge villain like this. I mean, he's a zombie. He could have been, yeah. like, terrifying. I think but... they missed a trick in not showing at least the the implication of the deaths of the Romanovs. Mm. Because yeah. he didn't seem like... He cursed them. Yeah, we don't even see the reason why he's cursing them. No, he just turns up like Maleficent yeah. in Sleeping He just Beauty. says, you kicked me out of the Imperial Palace. And then that, yeah. that was the reason that you got it kicked. Could... You got banned from Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, um, it just that early five minutes could have done more for his character because mm. it does establish yeah. everyone else quite well, except Bartok again, yeah, because um, who is just there, <laughs> yeah. and just I'm there to here. do a funny voice. Um, exactly. That's the thing I was wondering about Bartok because you know that he got a uh, a movie afterwards. Yeah, was that the first time like a sidekick character got given their own film? Because I can't think of any other examples apart from. Well, Minions. The Tigger movie, I guess. I suppose, sort of. But I'm thinking more like the psychic to the villain. Like if they made a movie about Iago. Oh, yeah. Iago was in the... Um, he turned hero, didn't he? In the sequels yeah, yeah. And he the gets TV like a redemption. Series. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. Because it's a strange choice of character to do it for. Like usually it would be the the 
whenever they did a spin-off, it would be like the uh, children of the main characters or something. Or like the the competitive foil. Yeah. Who's yeah. not really an, an antagonist, who's just like, you know, along for the ride. Um, or you'd get the, the animal sidekick uh, mm. extension. Yeah. But it's just, it's odd Villain to give side. a movie to the... <laughs> like the villain sidekick. It's a strange choice, especially for one that doesn't really do anything in the movie. Like yeah. I think they, I think they must have put Bartok into the script as an afterthought and thought we can market this. Yeah, get that sweet Burger King yeah. kids club <laughs> uh, money, um, <laughs> because nothing, no one's yelling out for a um, amnesiac princess. Uh, no, no, Happy Meal toy, are they? No. Uh, I'm sure they were. It's, I wouldn't a mind a of... Rasputin with like <laughs> removable body parts. That would be cool. <laughs> um, uh, it's just there's a lot of weird choices in that mm. studio. Yeah, like, like and I oddly terrifying choices in mm. <laughs> in the style of the movies. Like when in Anastasia, when Rasputin's head falls into his into his body, and you see it yeah. like lying against his rib cage. Yes, there's there's an edge. Mm. To all of these films that... I think that could be that, why it doesn't like stand the test of time compared to Disney movies. Because hmm. things like um, We're Back, A Dinosaur Story, like other rambling movies, mm-hmm. they all had have at least one thing which is slightly terrifying. Mm. Like um, uh, Brave Little Toaster. That's yeah. some really scary moments. Yeah. Brave Little Toaster is very All Dogs Go to Heaven. It's yeah, like the yeah. slightly more PG version of um, All Dogs Go to Heaven. I think that could it's... be why I thought that Brave Little Toaster was a Don Bluth movie. Yeah, because it's very similar in terms mm. of the narrative beats and the style. Um, I think it's weird as well because Disney aren't afraid to um, skirt the line sometimes like mm, yeah. Ursula and the um the the, uh, the garden with the, the uh, garden yeah with yeah. the 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 soulless husks yeah or um you know just the the entirety of black cauldron yeah the entirety of black cauldron <laughs> the menace of like ratigan and stuff like yeah. that specifically in that era Mm. I think Disney weren't afraid of telling a little bit of a darker story. Fox and the Hound is an incredibly bleak story about friendship not working out. Yeah, um, yeah. the book's terrible. Never read mm. the book. It's horrifying. <laughs> but but maybe there was just Blue. a thing in the 80s that we hated children and wanted them to suffer. <laughs> <laughs> it was typical boomer mentality of <laughs> yeah. uh, let's make our children suffer. Uh, they can't. They can't have the good cartoons anymore. They won't be able to afford houses. So let's just <laughs> let's just bury them. Um, let's just make them sad. Let's make the rest of their lives so miserable, and then they won't even realise they need a house anymore. <laughs> so um, that's the long con. Oh, it just. I really do like the film. Mm, I, I well, yeah. forgot how much I enjoyed it because when you picked it, I was kind of like, hmm, that's an odd choice. I remember liking it. But then I remember much the same liking most of the films. I remember liking yeah. An American Tale, but then never being um, compelled to watch it again past yeah, like, my teenage years. I don't think any of the, his movies are ones that I'd say are in my top ten. No. The, like they're, they're in terms watchable. of the animation... Fun, they're fun to watch, but I wouldn't 
go out of my way to do so. He's got a very... Um, but the, the thing is, if I think of a an animation style I like, I would say top five mm. is probably Don Bluth-related stuff. Like, we talked about um, Sword in the Stone when Poppy picked it for our Disney Classics Week. And, um, yeah... I, the, the art is the, the great thing about that movie. Yeah. It's really phenomenal art. And so much so that it was reused in Jungle Book and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah. Certain frames. But his art style is so iconic. Yeah, it's it's um, it's classic Disney art style. It's, yeah. Um, it's recognisable. And really the, sort um, of... In Anastasia, where the dog is chasing some squirrels, the squirrels yeah. look exactly like the squirrels from Stored in the Stone. Indeed. And I think um, Anastasia looks very much like the female Disney characters mm. at the time. Um, yeah. like the... I think that's to, that's to his detriment, really, that he was mm, too close yeah. to Disney style. Yeah, because it almost then added to the not-quite-Disney element of it. Yeah, and it's like a, a rock and a hard place where it's not quite Disney, but it's Disney enough for people to associate with a different company. But you can see that, um, so like the, the oh, I can't remember her name, um, Jane from 101 Dalmatians. Is that her name? Uh, the female, the, the woman owner. Yes. Um, the other guy is called Richard? Robert. It's definitely an Robert. R name, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's Jane. Oh, uh, darling, isn't it? Jane Jane and Roger? Roger. Robert. Jane and Ro- it's Roger. Roger. Yeah, it's Roger. Now all I can think about is Wendy, darling. Yeah. Oh, and it was Deer, wasn't it? Roger Deer. And now I'm thinking Jane Deer. Or was that the name of the characters in Lady and the Tramp? I don't know. I'm getting all of the Disney characters. Oh, God, there's so many of them. (laughs) But Anastasia looks like the woman owner of Purdy from 101 Dalmatians. If um, Anastasia was blonde, she would look like her, yeah. Yeah, they're all incredibly similar, mm. all a uh, little too close to Disney. Yes, yeah, he needed... To, I would say he needed to have a more generalised art style for his films, mm. but I think it yeah. would have helped him at least with marketing and differentiating himself from other people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to hear a review that I found for Anastasia? Oh, yes, please. Okay, this is a review, that, a one-star review from seven months ago. Okay. Please don't watch this. Five exclamation marks. You made a true story into a Disney magical fantasy musical. No need at all. Go listen to Rasputin by Boney M. That will tell you more about that night in 1918. Do it, damn it. One star. Stella. Hi. One star. One star and five star reviews are just insanely hyperbolic. I love reading the ones on Google because the ideas that people have about films are so brilliant. It's awful. um, I was reading ones for Frozen recently where the guy just like listed uh, like drugs, like class A drugs that they should have mentioned in the the movie Frozen because the movie Nine is better and they should have taken some cues from that. Well, I mean, Schindler's List is a great film. Let's put the extermination of the Jews in the Jungle Book. Why yeah. not? Why, <laughs> Why not? not? Why they're easily transferable ideas. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. 
People are insane. People I like are legitimately this, I, insane. Another one is, I like this movie, 10 out of 10, but Shrek 2 is better. That is the most pointless review I think I've ever read or ever heard. Uh, I just the 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 um, soapbox ideal we have. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to sit in front of my computer today. What am I going to tell you about? I'm going to tell you that I like Shrek too. I like it so much that I'm going to tell you about it in in a review for another film. It's so weird. But, they, I mean, it's pointless reading user reviews for most movies these days anyway. Because you're not going to get any kind of information out of it. Because no. most of them are just, there's a woman in this movie. <laughs> a woman wearing trousers. You get the Then you get the Mary Sue uh, conundrum that so mm. many people can't. Can't yeah. solve in their own head that women can have some sort of agency and power. Yeah, uh, women are actually capable they? of doing things. The only woman who's capable of doing things is my mother because she raised <laughs> a strong, healthy white male. <laughs> she raised an alpha, not like these <laughs> betas who are writing movie reviews. <laughs> you cuck, Don Bluth. <laughs> oh, it's just insane. People are insane, Spiffy. They are. Should we uh, take a break and then go on to yeah. talk about all dogs go to heaven? Yes, we'll do that. We'll take a five minute break and then we'll see you in a bit. All right. Enjoy the advert. I don't know what I'm going to put on, but enjoy it. An orphan searching for her past. You think that I could be royalty? A man hey. looking for his future. Do you see what I see? A sorcerer. Anastasia. Planning to make them history. I guess a curse just ain't what it used to be. 20th Century Fox presents a magical musical adventure. Wow! Anastasia. Hi guys, we're back. Um, we're talking about Don Bluth. Uh, Spivzy went first. Um, and, but in between our picks, we're going to do our new feature... Guess what Cobra are doing? Oh, we need <laughs> we'll a think up a we're thinking a, a pithier we'll think of a pithier name than that. Yeah. So um Cobra Plan Man Plander. Cobra Plan Man. We'll 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 work we'll work on the title. So <laughs> we'll workshop it. So uh, I'm not going to tell you the episode title because it will give it away. Okay. So, um, to explain the feature, uh, just in case, because we invented it last episode, um, uh, in the cartoon G.I. Joe, uh, basically they have the most insane plans. Cobra, the antagonists, have the mm-hmm. most insane plans. And uh, I was trying to get Poppy and Spivzy to guess what <laughs> Cobra's plans were. And they were... Ridiculous. Uh, I think they, yeah, they were ridiculous. But you both got a few. Yeah. I was yeah, quite impressed. Well, you, well we were close. We didn't get them yeah. dead on, but we were close. So, I'm going to give you the setup. The setup right. is pretty simple. So, Cobra mm-hmm. captures five scientists and ransoms them for $60 billion. That is a lot of money. Yeah. G.I. Joe. G.I. <laughs> Joe. Who are the the protagonists? Yeah, the, uh, the real American force, heroes. The real American for- heroes um, quickly tracks down Cobra to a remote island. 
Cobra <laughs> realise that they are on the way. What do Cobra do to try and uh, kill a team of seven st- military men and women? <laughs> um, okay, they're on an island. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say that they strapped rockets to the bottom of the island and launched it into the air in an I mean, effort to slam down upon the G.I. Joe forces. I mean, given <laughs> how many of Cobra's plans involve rockets, <laughs> I think that's rockets fired from fast food chains, rockets that lift a nightclub into the atmosphere. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's, I that's think it's a good the, uh, guess. That's where I'm going with it, yeah. Okay. Instead... Cobra construct an elaborate funhouse full of traps. Of course, like <laughs> balloons filled with hallucinogenic gas, oh, giant dear. weapon-toting jack-in-the-boxes, and a cobra-themed roller coaster. This is so much work. <laughs> also, the whole island is rigged to explode. Why of they course, don't do yeah. that thing from the beginning? Um, like it's just so meticulously over-elaborate. Yeah. They that must do have cost all of so much money. <laughs> more than probably the amount <laughs> yeah. that they were ransoming the scientists for. That's um, why they keep needing to ransom people. But the, the roller coaster was a snake. The roller coaster was a snake. At least they've been, you know, they're keeping up with the aesthetic. And they did it all to kill seven of the G.I. Joe. Now, G.I. Joe, there's about 50 of them. There's oh, like, yeah, there's so know. many of them. There's, there's one called Clean bit... Sweep, whose job is just to clean up. There's one called Bazooka. Oh, guess what his skill is? Does he have um, a bazooka? <laughs> he does. I think he wears a, a football uh, shirt as well. Like, oh. I don't know why those two things are... Yeah, anyway. Um, but to, this amount of money to kill... If you had the if you had the island rigged to explode, why hmm. not get off the island? Yeah. And Why leave? Why not leave? Why, why not, not leave just... and then... Have blow up the uh, island. The, G- the G.I. Joe team uh, come onto the island and blow up their planes and the ships. Yeah. And then they can't leave. And you've stranded G.I. Joe's forces on an island. So that's there a you better go. that's a better plan. <laughs> and that's why you'll never make it in Cobra. <laughs> Damn. You'll never you'll never be a Cobra. Oh anyway. That's my life stream. So anyway. Uh no points for you this week, I'm afraid. Oh, I I'll think try again. next next week I might do three, and then yeah. we'll 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 see how many you can get each week. I only did <laughs> one this the, week. The Cobra Commander leaderboards. <laughs> we might get our guests to do it again as well occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll keep a keep a running total, and then I might trans- once we've done GI Joe can easily transfer to Thundercats or. Mm. Uh, Captain Planet or oh, um, uh, He-Man. Shredder. Shredder's eat awful plans mm-hmm. of putting like alien eggs on pizzas. Do you remember that one? <laughs> I do remember that one. And it came out yeah. with like a xenomorph. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So, uh, that's the end of our f- unnamed theme. <laughs> feature. <laughs> right. Cobra. <so>. That's <laughs> what you should put in the... That's what you should put in the... Um, in yeah. the ad. <laughs> That's the thing. <laughs> Every week, the ad will be the Cobra music. Right, so, my um, Don Bluth film. So, it's 1989. An animated <laughs> film is released of such quality, 
such vibrancy, so <laughs> beloved by kids instantly that it's an instant classic. And that film is unfortunately The Little Mermaid. <laughs> now, <laughs> across the, wrong, the world, <laughs> <laughs> across, across the wrong side of the tracks, probably, um, it, a bastardized classic was also released. One that isn't vibrant, mm. isn't isn't great quality, wasn't it, beloved by kids. It's slightly um, depressing. Very depressing, I would say. <laughs> and just plain, I don't think is suitable for children. Yeah, I so agree. I, I'm not, by any stretch of the imagination, a prude um, when it comes to what kids should be watching on television. Especially because I think I watched Robocop before my little brother was born. So that oh, I was yeah. five. <laughs> so that's insane. Look where it got you. <laughs> look where it got me. Um, so, and I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm particularly fussy with what my son watches on the television. My son's three. I don't really allow him to, or, or don't think it's advisable that he watches lots of stuff with lots of lots of fighting in and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but I'm not like, oh my god, that man has a gun. Let's just put that down straight away because he'll he'll know what those sorts of things are. Someone will tell. I mean, him you, you find out about him at school. Yeah, you make guns yeah. out of Lego. So exactly, and I'd rather yeah. him some of his Lego things have guns. He's yeah. got little Lego Duplo, Batman, and Joker's got a flamethrower, for example. So um, he's going to know stuff like this. So I'm not a prude. But this film is just uh, like an experiment in... It feels like an experiment in what can we in, uh, make children endure without breaking. Mm, yeah, That's what it feels like to yeah. me. So um, I watched this when it came out. I had this on VHS. Uh, I think I watched it at the cinema as well. Um, I can remember really. I can I can remember watching this as a kid. A yes, lot. I can as well. Yeah. Um, I can distinctly remember when when we said Don Bluth, the first thing that came to mind was this, and then mm. Titan AE, which I also really like, even though that did really badly. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think I like the soundtrack more than anything. Yeah. Because um, the soundtrack was pretty good, but. Um, the soundtrack to this I, wasn't there. No, I remember. <laughs> I remember this film very vividly. I remember Dom DeLuise's voice. Mm. I was. Ta- we were talking before we started recording. I can remember. I could remember the lines to certain songs. Um, certain songs that are uh, misogynistic and racist <laughs> in yes. places. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that is a. It's a running thread throughout all dogs go to heaven. Is the uh, yeah. misogyny and slight racism. Yeah, so I was going to do it a little differently this week in that I was going to go on a beat-by-beat journey of what I found totally inappropriate about this film. Okay. Um, So consider me uh, Mary Whitehouse. I don't know if anyone's going to get that reference, but um, she was someone... I barely get it. (laughs) So she was... Great British Bake Off? No, that's um, Mary Berry. Okay. (laughs) So Mary Whitehouse was like this... um, puritanical uh person who wanted to ban sex and uh violence on the television and stuff like right, that course, she was yeah. one of these sort of like mothers of america types for britain yeah mothers um, against comics that kind of thing so, yeah exactly exactly yeah. uh so oh, right so um, all dogs go to heaven is a film that 
uh, is set in 1939 Louisiana. Obviously, a, a children-appropriate setting straight mm-hmm. off the bat there. Yeah. Uh, really will resonate with kids, 1939 <laughs> Louisiana. Um, Immediately uh, set the movie inside a casino <laughs> where, the, uh, where the dogs are apparently drinking beer. So it's even worse than that. The film starts in a dog pound where Itchy, um, who is the sidekick, voiced by Dom DeLuise, mm-hmm. and uh, Charlie Barker, the lovable rogue, quote unquote, um, <laughs> voiced by Burt Reynolds, which is a very odd choice for a uh, yeah for, uh, the the voice, voice actor. acting. It's quite interesting that they got like proper big name voice actors. Mm. Because that wasn't really a thing in animation in the 80s. No. And I think, actually, they do a really good job. Burt Reynolds do, yeah. does a yeah. quite a good job. Um, it's um, Charlie Sheen in the sequels. Yeah, I, know. I've, I yeah. didn't even know there was a sequel until I researched this the other day. Oh, really? So, yeah, it, it, yeah, I didn't know there was any sequels. I'm quite glad, because <laughs> the sequels look shit. Um, I only even watched the, um, the Christmas Carol one, because it was on uh, Cartoon Network. There's a Christmas yeah. special as well. Yeah, 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 and a TV series. Oh my goodness! Out yeah. of this, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, this doesn't um, have the legs. Uh, the Christmas special is uh, Christmas Carol, but it's oh, of Carface it being visited by three ghosts. What a stupid name for a character. Were they well, going Scarface? <laughs> yeah. Or is was Carface an actual name? No, it is a joke on Scarface. It's not a very good one, is it? It's not. No, my um uh. Uh, Avatar thing on YouTube was Carface for years. I think it might still be. <laughs> right, so it starts in the dog pound where um, Itchy and uh, what's his name, Charlie, are breaking mm-hmm. out of prison. Charlie is on death row. Yeah, yeah, they're going to put him down. Yeah. So right, so it's a dog pound, um, mm-hmm. but in this universe there are humans. But in this universe, Charlie has been found guilty of a crime so yes. in so bad that he is going to be put to death. This is yeah. our protagonist. Yes. But uh, later in the movie, don't they imply that he was framed by Carface? No. That he was not that he was framed, that right. he was essentially um set up. Oh okay. so yeah. yeah. So, you know, he was doing something terrible and uh, Carface. I was going to call him Scarface then. Carface <laughs> told the police essentially, or the dog catchers, or whatever we're going to call them. So Itchy and uh, Charlie break out of prison, and immediately they try and gun them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it is a real prison. Yeah, I thought that was because it's been years since I watched this movie. I thought that must be when they died. Like when that was happening, I thought, "Oh well, I know it's a movie about dogs going to heaven." So is this at the very beginning of the is movie when scene? they get killed no. by? <laughs> no, but they are. It is a real like attempt to murder the main mm-hmm. character straight yeah. out of the gate and his sidekick. So the main characters who are cute dogs, cute quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, is they're they're slightly odd looking, aren't they? Yeah, one is the kind of like a, um, if. Uh, Cruella Deville's sidekicks were dogs. Yes. yes. Itchy is a he's a basset hound, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Charlie is an Alsatian or a German Shepherd. Yeah, I think he's meant to be yeah. more like a mutt, isn't he? Yeah. He's yeah. like um he's almost like a perkier version of Tramp, let's say. Yes. From Lady yeah. and the Tramp. 
So, the first thing they do when they get out is go to a casino that Charlie <laughs> owns. Charlie owns through organised crime with mm-hmm. his partner, Carface. <laughs> his partner dobbed him into the police and set him up because he didn't want to share the profits. Mm-hmm. The profits from drink, illegal drink, gambling and prostitution. Yes. Yeah. It, they're heroes. Through heroes. And through. <laughs> yeah. Charlie is welcomed to the establishment as a prison-breaking criminal as if he is a hero. Yes. Because you can't keep a good dog down. And he sings a song about it. And he sings a song about it. Which is terrible. It's a garbage song. It's not only a garbage song. (laughs) It is... Really racist. (laughs) Really racist in places. Uh, There is the typical 80s, early 90s, and even now... um, Look the other way attitude where it when it comes to Asian stereotype racism, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, in media, uh, there is uh, Itchy does an impression of but it's like, um, what's his name from Breakfast Mickey Kids? Rooney? Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Rooney. Yeah. it's a real Mickey Rooney type um impression, isn't it? With like yes, buck teeth bad. and like a curled up lampshade on his head to make it look like one of those, um like rice paddy farmer Mm. hats. Yeah. Um, It's so bad. And Charlie sings about... it comes out of nowhere. It does come out of nowhere. (laughs) Um, Because he has lots of qualities in being a mutt that makes him like different nationalities, apparently, according to the song. Yeah, that never comes up again. No, no. (laughs) He's a good dog that does casual racism. Is apparently yeah. the message of that song. He also sings about being jilted by a skirt, which instantly alienates surely half of your audience yeah. for this film. Um, I mean, it's not like there's an abundance of female characters in the movie to begin with. No, and especially not ones that are anything less than victims in yeah. this film. Um, so, welcome home, Charlie, to your organised crime fifty percent empire. <laughs> Carface immediately resolves upon finding out that Charlie has broken out of prison um, via his Chihuahua sidekick Killer. Who is he a is Chihuahua? Like, I think so. He's a bit big right? for a Chihuahua. What do you think he is? I don't. Is know. he another mutt? Maybe. He, yeah. Anyway, he's he's uh, Millhouse if he were a dog. Yes. Yeah. And he has that, he has that um, very iconic voice. Like, yes. Yes, that one. The sort of like, yeah. hey boss, Igor. Modern Igor. That yeah. voice. Yes, yeah. yeah. So, um, he Killer tells Carface that Charlie's back and Charlie uh, Carface instantly resolves that they are going to kill Charlie. Yeah, the they're just going to murder him. Yeah. They're just going to straight up murder him. Um, Charlie then goes to see Carface, thinking that Carface is going to welcome him back with open arms. Carface pretends to, um, and Charlie, Carface says that they can't. Something along the lines of they can't have the, he can't have Charlie associated with the club anymore because he's been found out to have been being a criminal. Yeah, but isn't everybody so, there a criminal? Yeah, they are, but they haven't been. They're their it's appearances, so they're, they're legitimate. Right, it's, yeah. it's, it's really yeah. organised crime. 
but Charlie yeah. has been outed, so he can't be anywhere near the business. So, can't, well, Charlie says, well, can't we, you know, sp- do different things with the business? Maybe we can get bring in dancing girls. Yeah. Oh, it's so weird. It's Our hero. <laughs> <laughs> the person we're rooting for. But it's, it's in any other movie, if a character started off like this in working with crime and everything they would have a like a redemption throughout the entire movie mm-hmm. that doesn't happen in this no it doesn't and any redemption element is so out of the blue mm. it feels unnatural um i mean there is like that weird overlaying religious theme to this movie as well yeah yeah um with with the soul and the savior of the innocent and stuff like yeah. that yeah um, and straight up spoilers, Lucifer appearing t- to drag Charlie's soul back to hell. <laughs> yep. At the end of the film. Um, so, uh, then they, for some reason, go to Mardi Gras. And I don't really understand what this is about. They go to Mardi Gras to get Charlie drunk. Yes, this is a children's film. A you, <laughs> a universal for all children's film. Um and then they hit him with a car and drown him. Yeah, yeah. It's I, a, it I was just, a good plan. <laughs> it's horrific. The scene is horrific. A, a dog, a, pa- a drunk dog who is blindfolded, gets hit by a hurtling car and propelled into the ocean mm-hmm. where he drowns. And, and there's lots goes of... To heaven. There is lots of drowning um, scenes or scenes where... The characters could drown, like yes, four or five. Is, yeah, yeah. It's so insane. Um, yeah. So then, yeah, and, like Smithy said, um, there's a, there's a scene where Carface seems to be trying to murder Killer for some reason. Yes. Yep. And in a, a pit I, of piranhas. Yeah. What was that about? Because um, he is the evil person, so he <laughs> must treat his sidekicks abysmally. Well, that, 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 I mean, they're treating your psychics badly, and they're actively trying to murder them. Yeah, it's not good for. It's it's not going to win any boss of the year awards. Let's <laughs> no. just say that. Not going to inspire confidence. So, <laughs> after Charlie dies, he wakes up in heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, here is where his motivation is established. Right. So, I, I wanted to talk about what some of the classic motivations in animated films are so we look at ariel in the little mermaid her or even ariel and um prince eric their Mm -hmm. main thing is exploration yes that's their they want to find out about the world yeah exploration and knowledge yeah yes in aladdin every character wants freedom from the rules that are oppressing them yes simba Wants to come to terms with his own responsibility and culpability. Mm-hmm. He and wants to uh, be his own person as well. He wants yes. to uh, yes. experience the world the way he wants to experience it, In- rather than indeed. the way other people want him to. Yes, and also wants then leads in a way that is him rather than his father's legacy. So yes. it's all about you know legacy choices and living up to expectations. Charlie's motivation is revenge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He instantly, upon finding out he was murdered, wants to go back to Earth to kill Carface. Mm. Um, Charlie, his arc at the beginning of the movie is to go against the word of God and be struck <laughs> down from heaven. Yeah. He, <laughs> Much like <so> Lucifer. <laughs> he is warned 
that basically he gets a free pass into heaven because he's a dog. Because dogs mm-hmm. are naturally affectionate, whatever. It yes. doesn't, yeah. doesn't, it, it doesn't... They don't really explain it, but yeah. <laughs> but also doesn't go hand in hand with his character at all. No. Because no, um, he's, he's not, not affectionate. Good. He's not a good person. He treats Itchy like garbage, his, his underling. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's misogynistic and racist. Yeah, um, but you know, he's a dog, so he goes to heaven. <laughs> so he's a dog, so he goes to heaven. Um, he steals a watch from heaven that that is supposed to be analogous for his own soul. And then he yeah, winds I did, I it. I didn't really understand that. No. That is he's never that had easy a watch. to come back from heaven. It's that easy. What is the connection between dogs and watches as well? Like, Yeah, they wouldn't even be able to turn them. They haven't got fingers. No, he hasn't got an opposable <laughs> thumb. So, the, the angel, who's like St. Peter, the version of St. Peter, who is a quote-unquote sexy whippet. Hmm. She's supposed to be like almost like a, a borderline love interest, right? Yeah, she is in the later movies. Right, okay. So, yeah, yeah, she gets like kind of upgraded as a character as time goes on. So um, she tells him, you cannot leave the kingdom of heaven. It, this isn't particularly portrayed as a religious film if, either, is it? Oh, it is in parts. Like, there's a scene around Marie prays. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't come across as overtly like... No, he doesn't. Christian? He doesn't come across as like um, like quoting Bible verse or anything. Mm. It's but more it like is... just the overall idea of yeah. afterlife and God. I think the reason why it doesn't feel overtly Christian is because it's about animals rather than about mm. humans. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, Charlie goes against the word of God and against the advice of the angel. He steals <laughs> the watch that contains his own soul and winds it so that he ends up with more life on his clock, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, and is instantly transported back to um, back to Earth and told he can never, ever come back. Which is, yeah. spoilers a lie. Um, and then he immediately goes to see Itchy, who then thinks it, it uh, Charlie is a ghost or a demon, which, to <laughs> yeah. be fair, he kind of is. Um, yeah, he is, yeah. And Charlie then doubles down on the revenge element and says that he wants Carface bear in mind this is a kid's film to suffer slowly yes <laughs> I don't know if this was just me like misremembering or like maybe it was like a mandala effect thing but I could have sworn that Charlie had a halo throughout the movie I think he does on the box yeah the I'm, I'm sure that I thought Ichi died as well like all the way I, through watching it, I was no. waiting for the both of them to die. Apparently, Itchy dies at the start of the sequel. God, it's that's sixty depressing. years after. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> like set your stall out early. Kids are going to be depressed. So, yeah. um, and the the logo to the film has the slightly bent halo. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. not on properly, is it? Mm. Um, so they discover this is where the film takes a really dark turn. It's not dark enough already. It really takes a dark turn. So Carface has kidnapped an orphan girl who can yes. talk to animals called Anne-Marie, who, even more depressing, is voiced by Judith this. who was the victim of a murder-suicide by her own father mm. shortly after this film was completed. She also voiced Ducky in Land Before Time. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she was a child. She was a child actress, so she wasn't um, like uh, who voices Bart Simpson. Um, uh, Nancy Cartwright. Nancy Cartwright. So she wasn't uh, an older person putting on a. Uh, yeah, she was a child. Voice. She was an she actual was child. child. Um, and she was murdered by her own father, which yes. makes it uh, just the, everything about this film is a tragedy. Everything yeah. about it is all, it's just <laughs> so difficult to watch. Um, it's, a, it's a tragedy that the character of Anne Marie is directly lifted from the rescuers. Yes. It is yeah. just the same character. It's the, it's the same character, same animation, they've just changed her hair. Yes. Um, but she is a really... She's not just an orphan. She is homeless. Um, she's not... They didn't steal her from an orphanage. It sounds like they took her off the street. They mm-hmm. keep her yeah. in a cage. I think her first line is, Mr. Carface, can I go outside today? Yep. And he says Which no. Is, <laughs> yeah. So they. she has a unique ability to talk to animals... Because apparently animals can't talk to other animals unless you're yeah, a sexually yeah. ambiguous racial stereotype alligator, which we'll come <laughs> yeah. to later. Yeah, they, um, they, they, that was weird as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what an um, odd movie. And it is really strange. And Carface is using Anne-Marie to find out who's going to win the races so that he can stack the odds against mm. the eventual winner. Which... But this is the thing I didn't get. I thought that the rat races that they were running in the casino were run by him anyway. Like, it wasn't a separate organisation that were doing the races. So, so he is... Wouldn't Carface but... have just been able to, like, fix the races anyway? Well, this, he, I imagine, if you can guarantee... Because apparently um, racing is set out based on whose birthday it is or who is, yeah. whose turn <laughs> it is to win... Um, this way you're above reproach aren't you because if you can guarantee who's going to win it you don't have to fix it yeah that's true yeah it's less work so it is yeah all it took was feeding and stealing an orphan child who has magical abilities yeah (laughs) that does seem easier (laughs) yeah Um, so Charlie upon seeing this decides to save Anne-Marie not for moral reasons Oh no! But so because he, he wants use her. <laughs> he wants to use her to build up money to bankrupt Carface before he eventually kills him. Yes. So, yeah, and they also it's lie a, it's to a her. Classic hero's tale. <laughs> they also lie to her and say that they're doing it so that they can find her a family. Yeah. It's just so morally reprehensible. I was I watching it. It's just like it's so abusive. It's such an abusive relationship. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Um, he calls her a brat. He makes her sleep in a car. He um, bribes her with clothes. So they go to the track after this, and they go to mm. see to, to try and bet on some horses. So he takes her gambling, um, but gets her to find out who's going to win the horse race. And the way he bribes her is saying that nobody wants a scrawny doll in rags. Yeah, yeah. It's saying that you you're, you're, you're not, not good fit enough to have a family. Yeah. No. It's so problematic. It's so it really problematic. Is, yeah. And it's very like pretty woman as well. Yeah. Some of the scenes. It's it's yeah, borderline grooming behaviour mm. is kind of what it feels like. It's awful. Um so she finds out from the horse that the grand chore he is gonna win the race. <laughs> 
The Grand Chorhi is a uh, clearly mental disability stereotype. Yeah. Um, which is again <laughs> extremely uncomfortable. Um, they then win a lot. They then have to get money, so they pickpocket a kindly couple that show interest in Anne Marie and maybe giving her yeah. a home, but they pickpocket them and take her away from that family. This is yes. not the first time that Charlie will take her away from that family either. <laughs> because his needs are greater than hers. Yes, and because he's a hero. Yeah. Because he's a clear hero. Um, <laughs> so they win, and they use the winnings um, to open, to build. Itchy builds a casino from scratch out of scra- uh, scrap metal. Mm. Um, it's weird that um, nobody is like looking after this pile of broken down cars in the middle no. of Louisiana. No, no one cares. They're just abandoned. No. They're just abandoned for dogs to play with. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then they bribe Anne-Marie to stay by saying that they will help the poor with some of the other money. So they lie again. Mm. Um, that's when killers tortured by Carface for reasons unknown... Um, and he tries to get him torn apart by piranhas. And Killer says, well, maybe I can invent a special gun, a Flash Gordon <laughs> space ray um, to kill Charlie. I, d- I don't know why. Don't know. Why not just but use a gun? <laughs> why not just use a gun? Um, I'm sure you've got one. I mean, as well, if you if this guy came back from the dead, surely you must think to yourself, a gun's not going to cut it. Yeah, you'd have you'd think... There's some kind of other natural forces going on here. Yeah. They should have called an exorcist. That would have been cool. Like there was an exorcist <laughs> dog. <laughs> that worked in a, in a seminary. Yeah, that would we have been... We did an old dog been... and a young dog. <laughs> that would have been a much better film. <laughs> um, so Charlie then goes to visit his clearly illegitimate children and the woman he has abandoned. Yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, because there is history between those two people. She, he used to come by all the time, and now he doesn't anymore. And this female dog has—I was going to say bitch, and then I realised that that <laughs> doesn't sound <laughs> right, does it? In the context of this, there's film. different connotations to that. Um, uh, this female dog has twelve puppies. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not yeah. casting any aspersions on pe- yeah. single mothers with lots of kids, but it is clearly Charlie's... Some of them are Charlie's kids. It's yes. implied that. And yeah. Charlie wants nothing to do with them. He just turns up occasionally with pizza and to probably mm. have sex. Yeah. These um, children who were clearly malnourished. Yep. Starving. Yeah. With how ravenously they eat the pizza. But he does teach them about sharing. Completely <laughs> out of the blue in what's possibly the worst animated song I've ever heard. It is terrible. There is no redeeming feature to this song. And it goes on for so long. And I don't know where it came from. No, there's no need for it. I think or, it was or... like a, um, act end of act two reasoning to show why Charlie is a good person. Mm. But compared to all the other stuff he does during the movie, it's not enough. It's um, it's almost to try and get a plus one in his column, but it comes from nowhere. It has no impact on the story. And also, it, he's not doing anything nice. He's no. giving them false hope that he's going to be around for a long time. 
Yeah, and then he's, he, in, he even knows that yes. his time is short, that he's going to die soon. <laughs> or that he's not going to be there. Even if yeah. he could wind the watch again, he's not going to be there. He's not going to stick around. He knows that. He has no intention of doing it. And it's instantly negated by the fact that he's still carrying around the wallet that they pickpocketed. Mm. So Anne-Marie then gets angry that Charlie is a scumbag, even though he's yeah. given her more than enough proof up until this point. Yeah, and he uh, loudly talks about how much he hates Anne-Marie oh, while yes. she's standing near. That is that is a bit later, but that is <laughs> oh, yeah, awful. Yeah. <laughs> that is awful. And without any sort of sense of irony or deception. Mm. Yeah. Oh. I mean, so, but, but he does do that because of Ikshi as well. Like, yeah. Ikshi is not a good character during this either. No, 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 no. Which is weird, because hearing Dom DeLuise's voice come out of a scumbag character doesn't mm. really sit well yeah. with me. Um, so, that it's then that he has the dream. Oh, the, the dream, hell dream. The dream where he's sucked down to hell by a black mm. tornado, put on a boat made out of bones, where a bat, <laughs> um, a bat devil tries to um, get him torn apart by little demons and then the yep. boat starts to sink into the lava. Yeah, it's um, it's really good for a children's movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I did, I did remember it being slightly more traumatic as a child. Mm. Like, watching it as an adult, it didn't really affect me in any way whatsoever. But surely must have still been a bit eye-opening. It's, yeah, that is an odd thing to put into a children's movie. Mm. It was so, but it's, it's traumatic. <laughs> it's so strange, and this is so that I would say is probably the end of the second act. So Charlie mm. realizes that not only is his time short, but that he has been um, yeah. confronted with his own the repercussions of his the consequences of his actions. Let's yeah. say he's stealing um, the watch. He, as a dog, uh, had a tumultuous seven years of life roughly <laughs> and he is now destined for eternal suffering in the eternal uh, damnation because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there, there doesn't seem to be a lot of dogs down in heaven in hell so he's going to be no. the only dog in hell um yeah. so Anne marie runs away to the family because now she's got the driving license so she knows where they are um mm-hmm. and charlie chases her she is about to be taken in by this couple who have yep. no children, so uh, hence, in the eyes of Hollywood, unhappy um, <laughs> and incomplete because for some reason you can't cannot not have children um, if you want if you want to be happy. You've got to have mm-hmm. a child. Yes. So they are going to completely change their lives for this child who's probably disease ridden, who they just met, <laughs> who hangs out in a junkyard. Um, yeah, she's definitely got tetanus, if anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Charlie f- tracks her down and pretends to be ill so that she will come with... He, mm-hmm. he emotionally manipulates her and says, well, it was a good run. See ya. I love you. You're my best friend. Um, cough, cough. Uh, cough, cough. And then <laughs> Anne-Marie climbs out the window and chases after him. Um, yeah. it's Abandoning her only chance at happiness. Yes. That to me, comes so late in the movie that there's no redemption that is good enough for him now. No. He has ruined this girl's life. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so on the way back to the junkyard, um, Carface and Killer try to kill Charlie with a machine gun. 
Yep. Kids film. And <laughs> then they fall, uh, Charlie and Amory fall into the bayou onto an island made of skeletons of the people eaten by a giant racial stereotype, sexually ambiguous alligator. I hate this character. I don't know why the character is in the, <laughs> f- in the film. It's, um, it's terrible. Awful. Awful it's, character. It's also um, the real bad traditional animation stereotype of black natives yes. with it's, the bone through the nose. Vo- I think it's meant to be voodoo. It's awful. It is it's so bad. Mm. Um, like insanely offensive. Like even um, in, in 1989, this was bad. Yeah. And also, there's a slight... Because of the predatory angle of it, when the the alligator reveals itself to be potentially in love with Charlie, there mm. is a sexual predator element of it. Yes. And it becomes even more uncomfortable. Um, I was... I, I think, if I can remember rightly, when I was watching it last night, I was watching the scene with my mouth slightly open. Like, I don't... <laughs> what the hell? I can't say anything about this. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. It's, it's insane. It's so weird. Like the, um, I don't... I so really do not know why they put it in. And it's like... um, uh, Some Don Bluth movies have an issue with drawing, like, enormous lips on characters. Yeah. And on a stereotyped caricature it looks 10 times worse yeah it looks like the old 1900s depictions mm. of car- caricatured black people yes and it, it is does. so offensive um so wildly inappropriate to it just hits every angle so it's yeah. um it's inappropriate in terms of the story it doesn't make any sense it to, for a character to be introduced so late into the movie um, and be so integral to what happens at the resolution. Um, the sexual predator angle, the show clearly showing that this this alligator consumes humans. <laughs> yeah, um, is worshipped as a god. There's the voodoo element, the black caricature oh, it's, element. It's, it's just so many different facets to being terrible. It's awful. Um, he only spares Charlie because he loves his singing voice. And then they have a, a sing-along, which is almost like a serenade. Um, which like is weird, because duet, Charlie cannot weird. sing. No, no. He's a terrible singer. Uh, Burt Reynolds is great as Charlie. He's really mm. good vo- in voice acting, even though the character is terrible. But he cannot sing. No. Um, he's, it's, weird that they actually had, it's weird they actually had him singing. Yeah, like usually they would have a... Uh, a voice double to do the mm. singing parts, but because it's not like they don't have enough gravelly male singers. Yeah, um, but it could have been a um, a money issue though. It could have been. Yeah, they maybe should not have got the thirty-year-old woman who sings Anne Marie's songs and instead <laughs> <Yeah>. got. <laughs> so Anne Marie, because of the water, instantly gets pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's on the verge of death now. She's on the verge of death. She's very, very ill. Um, high fever, about to die. Um, Itchy, meanwhile, is in the casino and he gets assaulted <laughs> and nearly killed by Carface's gang who are looking for Charlie. So another person gets hurt because of Charlie. Yeah. Um, and they burn down thing. the casino. Every mm-hmm. single person in the film gets hurt or inconvenienced by Charlie. <laughs> um, it's then, Our hero. 
Yeah. Then you get the scene that you mentioned where Itchy confronts Charlie and says that the his relationship with Anne-Marie is bringing everything falling down apart from them. And Charlie mm. then says he doesn't care about her. We're going to use her and dump her in an orphanage. <laughs> what a nice guy. And this happens like <laughs> 15 minutes before the end of the movie. And there isn't. it isn't just that he's saying that to get Itchy off his back. He isn't saying it because it's part of a sentence that Amory hears and she's interrupted the bit that would have mm, redeemed yeah. that sentence. Amory hears it at the end of the sentence and then runs away, even though she is ill and dying, and then instantly gets caught by a car face. He <laughs> teleports her away by the looks of things. Um, <laughs> uh, Charlie tries to get her back and he is tied to an anchor and sunk started to sink into the bayou. Um, so another that. drowning element. <laughs> then King Gator, the, the gator that we mentioned, shows up, bursts a hole in Carface's boat casino that he used to own with Charlie, mm-hmm. um, and it starts sinking. So we've got another drowning element. Then yeah, an, there's a lot of drowning, isn't there? <laughs> then an oil <laughs> drum drops, sets a light, so now they're going to, they're, they've got the threat of drowning and burning to death. Yep, and uh, asphyxiation. Yep. Yep. Then Charlie takes off his watch because Amory has fallen out of the cage that they have tied, put her in and is floating on a box. So mm-hmm. Charlie decides to, instead of putting the watch around his neck, rest it on the corner of a piece of debris and dive after Amory. Which yeah, makes... don't... There was no need for that because he's already been in the water when he was with the alligator. Uh huh. So why take it off? Yeah. I thought he was going to give the watch to Anne Marie so that she would get his like time. Oh, that would have been so much better. Yeah, but that's not what happens. <laughs> because if she was so close to death, mm. and seven what seven years seven dog years to every year. Yeah. The time would have been quite substantial. But anyway, yeah. that's not what happens. Charlie then um, has to save Anne-Marie at the expense of the watch because the watch gets knocked off the debris. And he doesn't do that immediately. He tries to get the watch and then realises that he's got an infant girl in his hands and probably yeah. should save her. Um, yeah, so- it's really bad that he has that moment of hesitation. Mm. of deciding whether he's going to save the orphan child or himself. <laughs> and then he saves Anne-Marie and dives after the watch and drowns <laughs> in a kid's film. Oh. Yep. And then you have quite possibly the best scene of the film in which Lucifer himself ascends from hell <laughs> to allow Charlie a chance to say goodbye but hangs over the girl who's just nearly died from pneumonia, who is on the mend, mm-hmm. um, hangs over her house and fills her whole room with this demonic red energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, and then, because Charlie sacrificed his life for Anne-Marie, even though he was told he wasn't able to ever go back to hell, heaven again, he is allowed yeah. into heaven. Yeah, um, of course. Because you know, you It's like repenting on your deathbed. In, indeed. <laughs> That's all you needed to do. It uh, doesn't yeah. matter how many people you killed or influenced to be killed or, you know, hurt through organised crime. Um, <laughs> it, all it takes is a sorry at the end. 
And then um, Anne-Marie and Itchy live with the couple, because now the couple... So it reminds me of... Remember the Goonies? <laughs> yeah. You remember when <laughs> yeah. Sloth at the end says... Uh, Goonie, uh, Sloth. When... Um, oh, my uh, God. Chunk. It? Chunk says chunk, to yeah. um, his parents, Sloth's coming to live with us now. And it's kind yeah, of like... Sloth, okay. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Charlie goes to heaven and there is an element of oh we'll see him again but you won't because it's a really bad film mm-hmm. you won't yeah. want to see anything else no I loved this <laughs> film as a kid and I will never ever until he what is much do? older show my son this film oh, yeah it's too show, much show me as a look, this is what you could have watched as a child so thank me for not showing you it yeah, yeah. Watch Mulan. Watch something with a positive message uh, mm. that's not misogynistic or racist. Watch something like that. Do not watch All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah. Uh, this uh, definitely film. This is was awful. like the um, the beginnings of the slight downfall of Don Bluth Productions yeah. until Anastasia came out because yeah. everything that came out between those two movies was awful. What was the rest of the stuff that came. Um, there was Rockadoodle. Oh God, yeah. Which was um uh, about Chanticleer, the Chaucer story. Yeah. Um, Again, there was good, good. Uh, yeah, a good, good children's <laughs> tale to base it on. Um, there was Troll in Central Park. Oh God, that one's terrible. Which is about um, Dom DeLuise as a troll in Central Park, and it's mm-hmm. really bad. There was Thumbelina. Thumbelina's not too bad, but not great. Compared to everything else that was coming out in 1994, it's Mm. not great. No. Uh, Pebble and the Penguin. That's awful. That's a bad movie. And I think that's it. I don't think there was anything else. Oh, you probably probably had... They were great movies. (laughs) You probably had Five or Ghost West, but he wasn't involved in that, was he? Yeah, he had nothing to do with it. He didn't want to do a sequel. Five or Ghost West is a good movie. Five of Ghost West is good. It's the Back to the Future mm. three, um, yeah, 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 element. Cowboys make it better. Um, yeah, I like a, I like American Tale. I do. Well, um, I haven't American seen it for a long, probably the long best time. one. It's probably the best out of these three. Yeah, which is a shame because Poppy was going to talk about mm. that one, um, and you would have had Rich picking the terrible one again. Uh, <laughs> I de- genuinely, I don't do it on purpose. I think of a, uh, think of a film that I watched as a kid that I really loved and I want to revisit, and it, it turns out, out that you to had be terrible as... taste. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's so bad. It's such. It's so disjointed. It's so offensive. Um, it's wholly inappropriate for children. Mm. I. I don't understand how it got made. I don't can you understand think how... of Can you think of any other like animated films from this era that would have had the same level of distress to it? No. Because I can't not. either. Maybe... I mean, I'm, um... I'm thinking of some that are like very dark, but not as... Not dark as in the subject matter, but more mm. the aesthetics of it. Basil like the Great Mouse Traster. Detective is mm. kind of a little bit dark in places, but I would say it's genu- generally a happy-toned film. You've got yeah. comic relief characters. You've got um, you've got like a really savage version of Moriarty. Um, but, he's but even also... then, Moriarty is very uh, 
his personality isn't particularly yeah, he's terrifying. Flamboyant and yeah. showmanship uh, based. Yeah, he's like a say. stage actor. Yeah, which you know, considering it's Vincent Price, I'm not really <laughs> yeah, surprised. Yeah. But yeah, it's nothing. Page Master probably is slightly, mm. but nowhere near um, this. Uh, well, I can't. Why can I never remember the movie? This name of this movie, Brave Little Toaster. Yeah, it's very dark in places. Like when the the uh, AC has a heart attack and dies, yeah. and its corpse is in the back of the <laughs> movie for the entire film. Yeah, uh, and uh, probably uh, a show which was very very British, um, but probably most people won't be aware of, but you will. Animals of Farvinwood was probably. Oh God. The most um, depressing uh, kids movie, kids TV show ever made. There was like forty nine deaths throughout the entire series. We will definitely talk about that on the show at some point. We need to. We need to do we, like um, a ruined childhoods, traumatized for life collection. Um, and Watership Down. Mm. Um, and Red Wall. Yeah, oh, those books are phenomenal. I I loved those. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is. Uh, so, uh, Spivzy and I were talking before we started recording as well, in that um, we were talking about all of the female characters in All Dogs Go to Heaven wear um, really blue eyeshadow, um, which is uh, a really, it's really synonymous with um, sex workers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And Especially in the 30s. Especially in the 30s. And the young six-year-old child wears blue eyeshadow. It's yep. and the even the innocent woman and it's kind of um, the the from the kindly couple that don't I don't know if ever even get names because kindness no, isn't appreciated do. in yeah. this film, um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so wrong on so many levels that it feels like it can't have been an accident. It feels like it was almost like someone's passion project to freak out kids or make them unsettled. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that's quite a running theme in Don Bluth productions, though, mm. especially during, especially during the eighties, uh, leading up to the nineties. I mean, like um, American Tale is about Jewish persecution. Mm. Yeah, like, um, Five All Goes the... West, not not so much, but yeah, not so much. Like, I think they I think if it was a Don Bluth production, they would have gone more into like um, uh, Native Americans in mm. Five All Goes West. Like they would have said more about that, but. It was a Spielberg Amblin production, so they yeah. didn't do anything. Yeah, they focused on the mouse element of it. Yeah, yeah. Rather like the, than uh, the... the the cats in an American Tale are probably symbolic of like persecution as a whole. Yes, they're not in Nazi costumes. No, no, but they're more they're like um, labor laws and things like that. Mm. And the immigrant immigrant mice can't find houses because of the cats who. Yeah symbolise just persecution. Yeah, it's like... Which is... It's quite heavy for a kid's movie. An American Tale is like the um, the story of the immigrant rather yes, than the story is, yeah. of the Jew or the story mm. of the Italian coming to America. But it is very... It's very heavy subject matter. Mm, very. In there all are some three elements films. In, there are some elements in American Tale which feel like were added in as an afterthought to try mm. to make it a bit lighter yeah like Dom DeLuise's character only shows up in the last 15 minutes of the movie mm. he doesn't really affect anything in the rest of the film but he's kind of like the gator character 
Like, yeah, um, yeah. You know, let, oh my god, we've made a dark film. We need another scene with a comic relief character. Oh yeah. no, we've created we need a, a we awful need a nice song. <laughs> yes, um, it's it. It's a little bit insane to me um, that these past these scripts past a board of people who were kind mm. of like yeah yeah oh oh the um, the hell scene. You, did you intend <laughs> yeah. that to be in hell? Yes, yes, sir, we did. Um, oh, okay, okay. Uh, just make sure you get Don's okay on this, because uh, he's probably going to do the animation. And Don Bluth is like, oh, how many bones do you want on this ship? Yeah. Uh, so, uh, we've um, shown the scene to a group of children as a, a focus group, and um, four of them are on the floor crying, <laughs> and uh, two of them have left. So uh, should we keep it that way? Yep, yeah, that's good. No that's one exactly complained. What no one complained. <laughs> Uh, so we're taking chalking that up as a win. It, it's just <laughs> insanely weird. Um, by comparison, like, but all of these films, all of the Don Blue films, have these sort of like ridiculously um, sad edges to them, like Land Before mm. Time. Um, I mean, is it realism compared to Disney? Because uh, you know that Don Bluth left Disney because yeah. he didn't like how the stories were going. Mm-hmm. Were the movies before nineteen eighty? at Disney like this? So what did he work on? He worked on everything from Jungle Book to um, his influences were still felt in Black Cauldron and Basil the Great Mouse Detective Mm. that he had left before Black Cauldron. He left during Fox and the Hound. Right, okay. Which is quite a bleak film, as we've said. It is, yeah. Um, I suppose like the, um, the dragon in Sleeping Beauty is quite scary. Yeah. But not to this level. No. Don Bluth at the animator doesn't match up with Don Bluth productions, I don't think. No, no. Um, I associate the animation with happy characters and really yeah, great character yeah, design colour. and yeah. emotive characters. Like you see, um, you see Wart's face from uh, Sword in the Stone, and he's really. Um, emotive and empathetic and he goes through a range mm-hmm. of emotions it's not always sorrow <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> Anne Marie's character model is great she's yes. really cute she's like a lovable character like she is the shining light of that film in that um, she's purely innocent and she loves every character she interacts with even mm-hmm. Ichi who is horrible to her um, yeah, she just wants friends, really. Yeah, and it's tragic the way she is abused. Yeah, and we're meant to side with her abusers. What an odd movie. Against her other abusers. Yeah. <laughs> it's Don't and then um, give her a break. We talked about this the Bartok uh, redemption mm-hmm. angle. Killer yeah. then pulls Anne Marie to shore, saving her life. And seemingly getting away with everything. Yeah. After, you know, multiple attempts at murder. But you could say that was coercion. Mm, But still, he was the one who initially suggested they murder. Yeah. 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 It's so weird. Like, I... So, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, but I read um, the Stephen King novel It when I was at primary school. That's not me doing doing a humble brag. That's kind of like... (laughs) Like I, um, I can remember watching or seeing the made-for-TV movie 
slightly the Tim Curry one in the back. Yeah, the good one. Yeah. Well, yeah, the the better than one. the, the <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know if I agree with that, but yeah. <laughs> I really like the made-for-TV. I think the acting is oh, atrocious. I think, I don't, I, yeah, that's my issue with it. But I, I think, think it's Curry more faithful. Is good, yes, yeah. that's probably what it is. And it's definitely, I would say, it's definitely creepier than the film mm. version. I don't think the, the I think, film I think version it is, is scary. just Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> this is we're going to watch it, and I'm going to hate it. It's going to be one of those things <laughs> yeah. that I remembered fondly. Um, so I I read it. Um, where, so I must have been. 10 something like that 10 maybe approaching 11 um there is a scene at the end of it the novel that i didn't understand when i was that age and um is this the infamous in the sewer scene yes and yes uh one of my friends um read it years later and was like why did they have a gangbang in the sewers at the end? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you... You've you're read, making this up. <laughs> you've read too much into this. There is a gangbang in the sewers amongst 11 and 12-year-old boys and girls. Yeah. Um, yep. and I'm, cl- I'm kind of glad they didn't uh, put that yep. in the movie. No. <laughs> yeah. But this is... I don't even know why I brought this up now. <laughs> <laughs> Completely lost my train of thought. Um... Because I was so enraged about this. But this is the sort of... No, I know what I brought it up. It's because this sort of um, things you overlook as a kid because you don't mm. quite understand them. Yeah. But yeah. They, it must be slightly absorbed. There is an yeah. element of it that is slightly absorbed. Um, and I mean, kids... if you're paying attention to a movie, there has to be parts of it that you take in, yeah, even if definitely. you don't realise you are. But it's terrifying that what this the film could have potentially done to kids. And like I say, I'm not trying to be puritanical about it. Um, but it is. I can imagine being seeing this as a child and being scared. Yeah, I always think of it like if you watched it as a child, you like when you're playing as a child, you occasionally take on the characteristics of people that you've seen in movies. Oh yeah, or totally. in video games, like like you would, you know, play. Sonic and pretend to be Sonic the Hedgehog. Were any children watching All Dogs Go to Heaven and then going off and play acting as Charlie and Ixie? Don't and, know. And what were they doing? Ra- <laughs> yeah. Racial stereotyping and um, drinking beer by looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, you're totally right. Because even when um, when I was in primary school and we used to play like turtles. Um, yeah, yeah. You you take on the personality of the one of the four main characters. Yeah, like when I was at school, we used to play Aladdin. Mm-hmm. Things like that. Yeah. You, but you I wouldn't go to school no. and play, say, I'm going to be Carface this time. <laughs> I'll be Charlie Barker. You, you, you could this... be Anne-Marie, get in the cage. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to pull some patches off of your uh, your trousers and stuff so that you can look like a ragamuffin. Street <laughs> <A> ragamuffin. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's so... I think, I think in terms of um, showing the breadth of quality of the finished article, I think we've chosen polar opposite. Oh yeah, I think so as well. Because the yeah. animation is great in All Dogs Go to Heaven. Again, um, mm. there's lots of really great. Start f- apart from the the racial elements, the racist <laughs> elements, not racial elements. Um, but like Anne Marie, like I said, her character model is just. 
you feel sorry from her for her from the moment that you see her. Charlie mm. looks really fluid. Um, yeah, the, the the background painting is just beautiful in that film. It's really dark and dingy and dirgy, but it is great. It's great animation. It's wrapped yeah. up in this turd of a product. <laughs> the um the darkness does at least fit with the style of the mm. story. Yeah, the style of the borderline film noir um, yeah. revenge I think that tale. Is, that must be what they were going for, was a film noir style, but they kind of missed the mark on most of it. But like even, even... In, a, in a film noir, the hero character, if they are, even if they're, you know, skirting the edges of the law, they're still a redemptive character at the end of the film. Mm. I would have had it that... Um, so... Here we go. Let's talk about this then. Because I don't think... We talked about what we would potentially do to make Anastasia better. And it's Mm -hmm. mainly about Rasputin. Yes. I would have made um, Charlie a slightly more innocent... Well, a lot more innocent character. But the Mm. son of the person that Carface killed. Yeah. Give him a a different uh, lead into that Mm. world. Like a different connection to that character rather than him being... A direct partner of the main criminal of the film. Yeah. Set him off on an innocent playing field. Start him off on an innocent playing field. And then mm-hmm. even if his initial motivation is revenge, he yeah. finds out that he has someone else to look after now. Yeah. Yeah. I think if they were trying to go for like a film noir take mm-hmm. of this in this story, I would have gone even further with it. Like make that the selling point of the story Mm. like make charlie into a private eye yeah then they can have an actual female character with some any kind of urgency other than Anne-Marie in the movie who goes to ask him for help yeah and that's how he meets the different characters of the film like it can be the same story beats and everything the same happens but it's about him investigating where Anne-Marie is and then rescuing her and with none of the parts where he's just a massive dickhead because let's face it, that works with Who Framed Roger Rabbit. That yeah. is a film that both adults and um, children really like, unless you're dead inside. Yeah, and I think a um, like a dog private eye in a world where humans are actually humans is an interesting take. Well, it works for Basil the Great Mouse Detective, doesn't it? Because yeah. Yeah. Sherlock Holmes lives above the mouse version of Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah. Um, they do that in uh, in American Tale as well. The yeah. uh, Mouskowitz family live in the house of the Moskowitz. Yeah, and that you see them get on the boat together, don't you? The yeah. human and the mouse immigrants are getting on boats together yes. to tr- to travel to America. And I think it, it it it's easy to explain for children as well when you do that. Yeah, like they've got that connection. Yeah, absolutely. But the human characters in All Dogs Go to Heaven are very much peripheral, apart from Anne Marie. Yeah, um, like the, even the um, the adults who are looking after Amory have their faces hidden for most of the film. Yeah, um, they are basically the couple from um, 101 Dalmatians. They are, yeah, yeah. They uh, even look the same. They look, they exactly the same. same. Got the same house. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. It's insane. It's just an absolutely bonkers film. It's. Mm. I don't know how. It I am made. curious to what. I'm curious to watch the sequel now, though. To see how different it is. Apparently, so um, 
Oh, you know what? I should find a review of All Dogs Go to Heaven, a one-star oh, yeah. review. That should be a new thing we do as well. <laughs> one-star reviews. One-star reviews. So I just... I don't know how else you could make that film better because it's... Um, it's so... I think the only way you could make it better is to make a different different movie. Well, yeah. You could probably have the same characters. Yeah. But I wouldn't have them going through any of the same situations. Yeah, it's it's an uncomfortable film all the way around. That's a good way of putting it. Yes, yeah. it's very it's very uncomfortable. Um, okay, I've got a one star review. Okay. Uh, oh, hold on, I lost it. But this is for kids. I think <laughs> not. I cannot believe this movie is for kids. This the movie is based on an orphan girl who has been kidnapped by dogs. She is quote, rescued, unquote, by the main character (laughs) when he realises that she can talk to Animal. He, in turn, rescues her from her kidnappers so that she can see which rats are not feeling well. (laughs) I think that's slightly... (laughs) That's um, (laughs) simplification. (laughs) That way he can pick the right rats to win the rat races so he can settle his gambling debts, which he's already faked his death to avoid... I don't remember that happening. No, that's not true. That's not what happens. But was found alive. There are many references to drinking, smoking... (laughs) Were they watching a version with all the heaven parts cut out? (laughs) Maybe. There are many references to drinking, smoking and gambling in this movie. And in the end, the main character does the right thing. But do you really want your kids to see how far he had to come to get it right? Terrible movie. This title contains violence and scariness, drinking, drugs and smoking. There we go. Where are the drugs? I don't know. Is there a, a deleted scene where Itchy shoots up? <laughs> That's why he's itchy. It used to be yeah. twitchy, but they had to cut oh, it that out. Could, that could be it. Yeah, he's itching because he's like got a um, coke dependency. Because he does twitch when he's nervous. Yeah. Oh, we've cracked the crack code the here. Code. Crack the code. That um, review has said everything that we said uh, succinctly. Apart from the bit where they've made up bits of the plot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah okay so this is another new feature one star reviews we need to find the best (laughs) one star review for our product Um, it does encourage us to pick bad bad films no sometimes the good films one star reviews for good movies are funny though yeah Um, I I think it'd be remiss not to mention some of uh, Don Bluth's other work so Mm -hmm. you mentioned um, Dragon's Lair which um, I found out still is getting made. Uh, the production was hit by COVID, like everything was. Really? Um, yeah, wow. Ryan Reynolds is going to be Dirk. Oh, yeah. Is... Yeah, it's the Netflix series. Yeah. yeah. So I thought you meant the actual like arcade cabinets were mm. still being made. No. I, would... <laughs> I, I can distinctly remember, this is a very um, angry video game nerd story, but I can distinctly <laughs> remember as a kid the first time I walked into an arcade and saw Dragon's Lair and I was just... The light switched on. Blown away. <laughs> um, it was just, like, you had, like, Pac-Man and Donkey Kong in the same arcade as... Because, um, you know, when in Britain, like, if you go to a sea, on a seaside holiday, which is mm. just a holiday on the beach in Britain... Um, yeah. Uh, you There are lots of those sort of grubby arcades, seaside arcades, yeah. where they used to be. Amusements. Yeah, 
And um, Dragon's Lair was there when I was a kid, and it just blew me away. Like seeing that animation in a game, and I know it's not a particularly um, interactive game. You just point a direction for most mm, parts. It's it's a money sink yes. of a game. Yeah, and it's because you'd have to learn it by rote um, in yeah. order to complete the game, or be incredibly statistically impossibly lucky. Um, yeah, there's not even any on-screen indications of directions to press or anything no um but the animation in that and its spiritual successor space ace Mm -hmm. were just amazing um yeah i yeah i just loved them and like if i ever bought original animation i'd want a cell from dragon's lair or space ace because Mm. i just that's when i really really fell in love with Don Bluth's art style um, yeah I think that's for the same for a lot of people would have been Dragon's Lair as the entry point do you remember the first time you saw Dragon's Lair you're a bit you're uh, a tiny bit younger than me but uh, yeah when it released on Xbox Live Arcade in yeah. 2012 yeah that's a bit... <laughs> so probably <laughs> not, my... not the same level not of the uh, excitement yeah. but it's um, not one of the things that I knew what it was yeah. like I had knowledge of it but I'd it... never played it before then I enjoyed it. It's definitely a tentpole in video game history. Mm, Yeah. Um, There used to be loads of games like it on the um, Sega CD. Oh, like, um, there's a driving one, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And there's uh, one with a a dinosaur chasing somebody. There was a whole um, uh, after-school show based on, like, a video game like this. Uh, like directional inputs and you used to have mm. to one of the competitions was you phoned in and you had to pick up or down or do it on a, a toned keypad on your telephone <laughs> i remember this a vivid memory of it um <laughs> but those sorts of games um like lend themselves so well to his style um i yeah. can't believe that there was never a dragon's lair um animated movie or series yeah, I think- he did a Kickstarter, didn't he? Yeah, and then it transferred to Indiegogo because he yeah, didn't yeah, quite yeah. hit the money. Um, and then it made its money and more, apparently. Mm, um, yeah. I just I love the designs for uh, mm. Dragon's there's Lair. A, there's a sequel, isn't there? Is there? Is there a Dragon's Lair 2? Oh, I don't know. I have vague memories of there being a Dragon's Lair 2. I know Dragon's Lair and Space Ace, but I had never seen a Dragon's Lair 2. Huh. There you go. It's not confirmed. Spivsy might be having some sort of fever dream. but uh, Dragon's Lair 2. Yes, Dragon's Lair 2 Time Warp. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. I do remember Don Bluth this. designed it, yeah. I do remember that. It looks a bit more like um, uh, the point-and-click Sierra games more yeah. than uh, Dragon's Lair. Well, I think they those games in particular really did influence um, point-and-click adventures. You can oh, tell with, yeah. like... yeah. Monkey Island and Grim yeah, Fandango. Salmon Max. Salmon Max, yeah. Uh, maybe not like the um, stuff like Broken Sword and stuff like Although, even the animation in that, in Broken Sword games, mm. is slightly like um, a, a similar aesthetic. Yeah. Um, I think... The Looking es- at these pictures, it looks a lot like the Discworld point-and-click mm. game. I have terrible memories of that one because I once... It's impossible. Well, I once spent (laughs) six hours on it. It was about six hours. I spent all day Saturday on it and had not saved it and it crashed. 
Oh, no. And you can't go back to a game like that. No, you can't. No. Speaking Another of... Another depressing, depressing moment from Rich's childhood. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of these. Um, the day after was when you poisoned your dog. Yeah, and then Optimus Prime died. Um, speaking <laughs> of... the rough week. <laughs> shaped me. I, I am the man I am today because of it. The horrible, emotionally crippled man. Um... Speaking of games of t- that are time sync, uh, I've spent a lot of time this week playing Metroid Dread. Is like it good? A lot of time. I think I'm nearly finished. Mm. Mm. Finishing a game in a week is not when when you've oh, got. No, full I, time I do that all the time. Yeah, but I'm... I've heard it's about about a twelve hour game. Roughly. That would that would make sense. I mm. have been playing it religiously every night. I got home from work and neglecting my parental responsibilities. Um, it's alright, it's a video game yeah. <laughs> it's, it's more important it's fun, it's really fun it's um, it's like the excitement of playing Super Metroid all over again, just on a Ooh. new map it's really fun um, that was a massive tangent, I just wanted to tell you that Metroid Dread was good oh, well, the people need to know yeah they do, go out and buy Metroid Dread yeah. no, in fact, probably don't, go and buy an indie game um, don't yeah. buy, buy Metroid Dread buy it when it, <laughs> buy it when it never comes down in price yeah, that's the issue with Nintendo mm. games, isn't it? That's why I got rid of my Switch. Don't say that. People will uh, <laughs> jump on you for not being a Nintendo Oh, I don't boy. give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo shit, I don't care. <laughs> I haven't made anything good since Luigi's Mansion. <laughs> Breath of the Wild, more like Breath of the Mild. I hmm, Do I agree? I, I would never <laughs> replay it. I would never replay it. Um, I... Pl- I don't think it's as good as everyone makes it out to be. No, none of them are really, are they? (laughs) Link to the past. Do you know, I have never finished that game. Oh, you're a travesty. I've never had a Super Nintendo, so I've never really played any of those games. I think I play Super Castlevania or Castlevania 4, Link to the Past and Metroid about once every two years, to the point where it's like a muscle memory thing now, so it's really comforting. I play Symphony of the Night and Earthbound at least once every two years or so. I need to do another playthrough of Earthbound, but it's it's mm. getting through those first tricky couple of hours where you yeah. feel like you're rubbish at the game. Yeah, um, once you get um, <laughs> poo, once yeah. you get him in the team, then the game really kicks into high gear and it gets really fun after that. Yeah. Like once you get to um, uh, Threed, I think the game yeah. kicks in. Yeah. It's been a while. I'd say it's been about six or seven years since I played that. I need to play through mm. Chrono Trigger again because, like, getting a Super Nintendo Mini, um, you just you have to play those games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, although Super Nintendo Mini. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Come at me, Nintendo. Yeah. <sighs> right. Pose. That's probably a good time to stop, right? I think so. We yeah. talked about got anything to uh got anything to plug? Uh, only usuals. Um, you can yep. follow me on ma- at, um, at Masters Rich on Twitter, and you can follow um, a podcast that Spivzy and I write. Um, that's a comedy show called To Ponds Theatre on Subspace. We write and produce it with a lot of other really talented folks. Um, and that is uh, ttos.call is the website or at to pon on Subspace. Um, it's good stuff. Yeah, uh, got some uh, new things coming out soon. We have. We've got a, a feature-length movie. Uh, it's not really a movie because you can't see it, but a feature-length yeah, it's a, podcast. It's a soundy. Um, 
and the start of season three when we've got lots more characters and um, mm, some new new friends. Um, yeah, so the, I think the movie's coming out next week, week after. Uh, calling so, it a movie, it's coming out soon. Yeah, let's not yeah. put, let's not, uh, let's not tell. Don't people put a date on it yet. So, so. Um, our friend uh, Vidizen, who does the music for Toon Hounds, has an album out, um, which mm. is on Bandcamp and Spotify. I Bandcamp believe. and Spotify. I can't remember the name. It of the may album. be on Apple Music, mm, but yeah. I'd have to check. I'm it's check called Valiant out. Hearts, and it's very good. It's very good, um, and. Vidizen does all the music for uh, Tapon Theatre on Subspace. Uh, he does the music for Pretend Friends, M Class Podcast, um, which are also great podcasts that you should go listen to. Um, and he's just an all round super guy because he does he all is. the music and stuff for free because he is just such a nice guy and loves the projects that hardest, he works on. Hardest working musician in podcasting. I would say so, without any sense of irony. He does no, so much definitely. work. He does he so does. much work to put on Sphere and Subspace. Um, what else do we plug? That's probably it, right? Do you want to plug your Twitter? Because um, you're doing commission uh, yeah, work. So, at Spivzy, S-P-I-V-Z-Y. I'm uh, doing commissions, so yeah. get on that. We both do the give me, artwork. Give me some money, please. <laughs> <laughs> we both do the artwork for the episodes, so if you like some of that stuff, then Spivzy is your man. Mm-hmm. Or your, your artist, I guess, is more an accurate yeah. title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Your boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we haven't decided what we're going to do next week because um, we're going to let Poppy have a choice. Um, yeah. Because she it has been not been on this one, so it's only fair that she gets a choice to do next one. But we'll, mm-hmm. we'll um, let you guys know about a week before this one comes out. Yeah. So you can watch along and, and commiserate <laughs> with my... Super bad choice next week. <laughs> Please a pick a choice. good one next time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so uh, good films have less talking points. Uh, well, often, yeah. <laughs> like it's it's more fun to shit on a movie. <laughs> I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, All dogs go to heaven was good podcast banner, banter because it was uh, yes, it was just so full of problems. It was a problematic <laughs> film. It was. Don't watch it, everyone. Just take um, our word we'd, for it. Oh, we never did our uh, high time scale of between oh. Gravedale High and Adventure Time. <laughs> okay, so what would you, you would put it? What would you give Anastasia, or uh, how many uh, dead Russians would you give Anastasia? <laughs> oh, well, that's a dark rating scale. <laughs> um, I think I'd give it about a six out of ten. Like it's a good story, but the animation's really lacking in some places. All right. Six out of ten dead Russian corpses. <laughs> yeah, six out of ten um, dead imperial royal families. Right, okay, that's a that's a good number because a couple have to yeah. escape, right, for there to be a movie. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. How many? What about all dogs go to heaven? How many um, offensive caricatures would you give that oh. out of ten? Uh, so, right, this, if this the point is to make the uh, to fulfill the quota of offensive stereotypes then 10 <laughs> but actually in terms of a rating it would be a really dull two out of ten two yeah wow, I, that's harsh i think the animation is an eight maybe but the mm. product is so offensive um and so not fit for purpose that i think yeah. it's a two out of ten Two, out of two, ten. two offensive character, uh, two offensive caricatures out of ten. 
Well, that is how many were in the film. So. Yeah, that we saw. <laughs> that we saw, yeah. We never saw any of the production footage. Yeah, some, and also sometimes I imagine I blinked. There might have been some really offensive stuff <laughs> yeah. in the background. Um, oh, yeah, I don't want to have to watch that again. No. Well, okay. join us next week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can lead it out. I'm not, I'm too depressed. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, join us next week for more cartoony fun with the gang over here on the Toon Hounds podcast. Oh, yeah, and you can also send us an email at... at, Oh, yeah, yeah, we do that, yeah. At Toon Hounds... No, Toon Hounds at At gmail.com. Yeah, Uh, but you can follow us on Twitter at Toon Hounds. Yeah, we should plug our own podcast, really, shouldn't we? We should, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but they're listening to it, so I assume that they know about it already. Found it by accident. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Alright gang, see you later. Alright. Bye. Bye.